Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Best Pictures Podcast. I'm Ian, and this is Maggie. And on this episode, we're doing the second part of, as I said in the first, the epic 1939's <laughs> Gone with the Wind. Yes. Um, you know, they kind of split the movie into two parts with an intermission. We thought we would do something similar since there is a lot to talk about. Oh, my. And we couldn't resist talking on and on about Yeah, the we part. <laughs> initially were like, oh, we can do it in one episode. We couldn't. Yeah, no, we don't have that much control. <laughs> yeah, so welcome back. Um, we are just going to jump right into it, I guess. So the last time we left Scarlet beautifully silhouetted against the sunset at Terra um, in the middle of, you know, Sherman's march to the sea of the Civil War, hand in the air, swearing that God is her witness, she would never be hungry again. We get um, some interstitials kind of explaining about Sherman's March to the Sea. I think there's one that just has Sherman in all caps and an exclamation point. But it's well, and then the fire. Yeah, it's on like a red smoke. background. There's like smoke and fire, like from cannons, and it basically explains that um, Georgia was pretty much raised. Yes, but Tara is still standing, which means that there is hope for our protagonist slash antihero Scarlett O'Hara and yes. her family. So we open up with her and her family doing all the work. Yeah, they've, the they've planted cotton. They are picking it themselves now. Um, this is, of course, you know, start the story starts before the Civil War. We're in the South. They have been plantation owners, so mm -hmm. they obviously wouldn't have been doing that beforehand. It's her and her two sisters, and one of them is complaining about her hands, and she's like, "Mother always said you could tell a lady by her hands, and look at my hands. I'm having to do all this labor, and Scarlet's this so was Sue terrible." Ellen, right? Yeah, this is Sue Ellen, and Karine's like, "She can walk off a cliff." <laughs> Kareen, the youngest, is like, but Scarlet saved us. Like, she's doing all this herself, too. And so Ellen's like, but I don't care. And Scarlet just basically comes up and is like, shut up. Smack. Well, what <laughs> happens is basically Scarlet's like, we're doing this for Tara or something. And Sue Ellen says that she hates Tara. And Scarlet slaps her and says it's the same as hating Pa and Ma. Yes. Because her mother is dead, died of typhoid um, after nursing her sisters and um, another person who is of a lower social class, who they constantly refer to as the white trash slattery girl. And I, I we like see that character once. And I just feel so sorry for her because they always call her that. Yeah. She also like, I feel sorry for her. And I think her anger in that scene is definitely justified, but oh, yeah. it doesn't make me like her more. Oh yeah. That, well, that's because, you know, Scarlet's our protagonist. Like we're, we're cheering for Scarlet. Yes. Most exactly. of the time. Mo yeah. Most of the time. But yeah. So, and of course, Scarlet's father also is, clearly kind of lost his mind Completely. with, you know, losing his wife and mm -hmm. the war. But I love that scene between her and Sue Ellen because Sue Ellen is now Scarlet at the beginning yes. of the pre-intermission yes, yes, part. Yes, yes, yes. When um, Pa has to explain, no, Tara is amazing. The land's the only thing that matters. It's the exactly. only thing that lasts. Yeah, um, you know, at the very beginning of the movie, Scarlet kind of says that she doesn't care about Tara and her dad's like, no, 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 you care do. About. It's important. So in addition to all this work that Scarlett is doing and you see how committed she is to Tara, you get another scene where you see how far she's willing to go to protect it. Well, and you also get kind of a little bit of interesting stuff from Melly where we discover that she's little so Miss practical. Melanie Wilkes is a little bit tougher than we've all been oh, giving yeah. her credit for. Um, so Scarlett goes into the house. Everyone else is like outside. Um, and, you know, picking cotton, complaining about picking cotton. Fuck um, you, Sue Ellen. <laughs> <laughs> Merge idea. Um, but uh, so Scarlet goes into the house and she sees through the window um, what is clearly a deserter from the Northern or Yankee Army 
um, pull up a horse at the back of the house. So it's like a scavenger. Then that was, you know, I, it, I'm guessing it's probably a huge problem in most wars. Mm-hmm. Um, it was also, looters. yes, looters, scavengers, deserters, all that good stuff. It, um, or all that good stuff, all that bad stuff. Um, <laughs> it was a very, very bad problem in the civil war. And it, what I remember from studying it is like certain generals were better about like keeping their troops in line and stuff. And then mm-hmm. there were other generals that were like very bad about that. And Take like, everything lock, stock and barrel. Basically. Yeah. Um, so anyway, this deserter shows up and starts going through the house and Scarlet has grabbed a pistol. It was uh, the pistol Rhett gave her yeah. when they parted. And let's just say once you put that gun on the wall. <laughs> yeah. You got, uh, gotta shoot it. Um, so, you know, Scarlet kind of, kind of confronts the guy. She's like coming down the staircase very slowly and he basically sees her. Well, and, and he has stolen Miss O'Hare, Mrs. O'Hara's yeah, earrings at yeah, this point. Yeah, he's been going through that jewelry box that was Scarlet's mom's. And Scarlet is having none of that. No, and so she comes down the stairs and he's basically talking to her and kind of just being an asshole. Yeah, and it's like, what do you have hidden in your hand as he slowly yeah. walks up the and stairs? and she's like... Gun, motherfucker. <laughs> and, and so Scarlet, Scarlet shoots the deserter. Um, and he tumbles down the stairs. And then you hear, coming from a room up the stairs, Melly comes out and she's dragging her brother's sword, which when they were fleeing Atlanta, Melanie had insisted on bringing Ashley's picture and Charles's sword. Yes. So she's standing there holding the sword. And I love the way they do that because she, you hear her running. It cuts to a shot of her face as she runs to the rail and then it pans down to her just holding the sword. And that's where you see that, like, Melly's tougher than we think she is. Oh, yeah. She is kind as hell. Like, and again, as I've said multiple times. She's kind. She's too good for everybody else in the film. She's (laughs) not the strongest health-wise, but, like. She'll cut a bitch. Yeah. Or a deserter. (laughs) Or a deserter, yeah. (laughs) Um, And we get maybe my favorite scene between the two of them. And it's, I think, the closest that Scarlett and Melly ever are to, like, truly being friends or sisters um Mm -hmm. despite the fact that they are sister-in-laws in the entire film and it's them talking about what to do with the body yeah well and i also love how scarlet's like okay we need something to wipe this up here give me your well first off melanie's the one who's like we should go through his pockets but i love the way she says it she goes do you think it would be dishonest if we went through his pockets and scarlet's like no and i'm ashamed i didn't think of it first yeah yeah so they and they found like 50 or 60 dollars yeah a lot of money um, so clearly, clearly going. this guy, which I, I do like that they've set up that like, this guy's a bad man because he yes. was like looting Mrs. O'Hara's earrings and clearly he's looted a lot of other places. Mm-hmm. Um, so they are basically talking about that and like, yeah. And then Scarlett's like, well, we can bury him out in the orchard because like the ground's soft there. And she's like, everyone else is out front. Like I can drag him out back. And Melanie's like, I can help. And she's like, you couldn't drag a cat, which I loved. <laughs> but, um, yeah, as they start dragging him, there's like blood trail. And so she's like, Melly, give me your nightgown. Like, but Melly's immediately like, Oh, my modesty. And <laughs> Scarlett's like, if I were wearing petticoats, do you think I would be using yeah, those? She's like, I would use those. Like, and we get some side boob here, which was shocking to me in a postcode, postcode. film. Um, there's a little bit character wise that I think is also kind of shades of pre-code, um, particularly around like Scarlet's character. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I think you could get away with more in a historical epic. Also, this of course was based off of an international best-selling book, so yes. like I feel like the censors probably gave them a little bit more of a pass. Mm-hmm. So and, well, and, and like in while some the- sense that might have heightened the sacrifice in their eyes because it's like okay now she's literally naked and is the clothes off her back to help 
keep the family yeah, supported. Yeah, that's a good point. So, that is a good point. Um, that, like, literally Melly has given kind of the last thing she has. Yeah. But, yeah, so they they bond over a dead body, which is kind of funny kind of like to me. Stand By Me? No. <laughs> I actually haven't seen that. Well, then we get the idea that the tax assessors are now really yes, taxing yes. these old plantations. Yeah, so they've raised the, like taxes on Tara, the plantation up to $300. And I love the way Scarlett says, like, she's like, it might as well be 3 million, but like, we have to raise it yeah, because she's not, she's not losing Tara. Like that is everything to her now. It's like Tara. It is what she has left of her mother and father. It is their chance at survival. Yes. Like if they have Tara, they can maybe make it. Yes. But they don't have the money. So this is where things get really crafty and creative for her to go and see if she can get the money from who we find out as Rhett Butler. Yes, because Red did confess his love. Exactly. But before we even get to see Rhett, <laughs> this is, so one of my favorite Carol Burnett's gets is Went With the Wind. If you have not seen that, you, you should watch it. <laughs> because my favorite line is, I just, I saw it in the window and, and I just had to have it. <laughs> yes. So Scarlet realizes she's like, I can't go to Rhett looking like I do now because I mean like she's basically wearing the same dress that she evacuated in Atlanta with like it's her tattered yeah and like dirty. she's no one looks great right now well and shouldn't yes exactly <laughs> like you know they're starving like they're working in the fields by themselves like they you know it's you know in a time when having fair skin meant that you were part of the upper class like she's probably lost that yeah. Um, you know, the whole thing about Sue Ellen talking about a lady's hands, mm-hmm. like she's probably ruined her hands. So, or I don't want to say ruined, but you know what I well, mean? They're now calloused and yes. as if you're working. With exactly. Them. Cause she is, cause she has to, but she's like, I can't go to Rhett like this. I need to go to Rhett looking like absolutely nothing's wrong. If I'm going to get that money, she's yes. like, I can't just go in looking like this and ask for it. So, so she notices the drapes, the beautiful green velvet curtains. <laughs> And she rips them down, and Mammy is like, those are uh, your mother's. Like, you can't do that. And she's like, well, they're mine now. Yeah, because she is now the... She's the head of the house. Yeah. Oh, and so Mammy does cave and makes her this yes. dress. Now, we missed a big point here. So when they were told that they owed $300, Father O'Hara oh, runs yes. after the tax well, assessor no, on no, his no. horse. What happens is when they the old overseer who has now married the white trash slattery girl who had his (laughs) um, baby out of wedlock. But basically they come and they want to buy Tara and you find out that he's been having his friend drive up the taxes who like works for like whatever government body is determining that drive up the taxes on Tara. So like you do, like I said, this story is, I think I said this in the first part, it's very much about Scarlet, but there are like bits from like the time periods, like you get a sense of just like levels of corruption before the war, also the levels of corruption after the war, how Mm -hmm. like it's, I don't know, like, so you get like these little bits of like politics and economics and social structures, like kind of sprinkled throughout around Scarlet's story. Yes. Previously, Ashley had come home. Um, there, this war had ended and like various soldiers were at Tara and Melly was feeding them all. And Scarlet was like, we can't afford this. Yes. And Ashley had come home as well. And, you know, right before the old overseer shows up, Ashley and Scarlet had this like big heart to heart where he once again was like, I do love you. I can't help it. 
but I'm faithful to Nellie. And I was like, stop telling her you love her. <laughs> like, just stop. Like, you're making it worse. Yes. And he, he's, like, talking to her about Tara. And he's like, you know, this red clay is where you get your strength. And, like, basically hands her, like, a handful of red clay, which, like, don't ever hand anybody red Georgia clay because it gets freaking everywhere. And it stains. Yes, it will stain you. Like, <laughs> don't do that to people. That's mean. But anyway, she throws it at the overseer, and I like that. <laughs> that was a really fun, like, spirited moment. Yeah, and then uh, Mr. O'Hara goes after them on horseback and... Jumps over the fateful fence breaks again. his neck. Yes, and, and he's dead. So now sad. Scarlet is woman of the house. Officially. Yes. She was unofficially before. So... Thank you for bearing with our circuitous route to get back to. She's now able to make sure Mammy makes her the dress. AKA the curtain dress. AKA maybe the most iconic costume in all of history. Yes. Like. It's incredible. Yes. Well, and I like that, you know, talking about that give and take between Mammy and Scarlet. It's like, Scarlet's like, I'm going up to Atlanta. And she's like, why are you going up to Atlanta? She's like, to get the money. And Mammy's like, I'm coming with you. And she's like, Mammy, darling. And the Mammy's like, cut it out. Because <laughs> Mammy know who knows who oh, she's about Mammy to knows see. exactly what's about to Again, happen. Mammy knows all. Yes. But um, so they go up to Atlanta and Rhett is being jailed in a stable. But is gambling with his jailers. So oh, yeah. he's being oh, yeah. standard Rhett. Oh yeah. Well, I like that one of them's like, it's hard to um, imprison a man who loses so nicely because he's yes. losing money because Rhett has a ton of money. He made a ton of money during the war and it's mm-hmm. all safely in London, we find out. And so the Yankee government, the Yankee army, like, wants his money. Because, like, I mean, I'm sure they could make a valid legal case for that. But they're trying to, like, yeah. get their hands on that. And so Red's very much trying to make sure they don't. But he's also, like, making things pretty easy on himself. Oh, yeah. So you get Scarlet coming in and posing as Red's sister. Which, apparently, <laughs> there have been quite a few women coming in posing as Red's sister. Because they're like... Oh, another one of your sisters. <laughs> well, but again, remember, he has that relationship with Belle and yep. her brothel. And so I'm sure there were some oh, visits yes. from them. Oh, yes. Um, but one of the officers is like, yes, but this one's different. She has her mammy with her. <laughs> yeah, which is <was laughs> And hilarious. then you can see that Rhett kind of realizes who it is, too. He's like, I bet it's Scarlet. And of course it is. Yes. Um, and... Scarlet puts on quite the act. Oh, but Rhett sees right through it so fast. Well, I love no, it. but he doesn't. So he's buying into it basically until he like has her hands and like turns her hands over and was like, I guess gonna like kiss her hands. I don't know, but he sees like the calluses and stuff, and Scarlet's like kind of trying to pull her hands back because she's like, I fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's when he calls her out on it. Oh, yeah. And it's like, you're actually destitute and you actually need this. Yeah. He's like, what do you want? And she basically flat out says, like, I need the $300 for taxes on Tara. I appreciated how quickly she came out with it. Because oh, yeah. it was like, okay, yeah, she's our like, cards the are axe, on the table. The axe over, like, I'll just say it. And of course, Red's kind of like needling her and is like, okay, what do I get for collateral? And she's like, my earrings, which they call ear bobs. And he's like, yeah, no. So then Scarlet offers herself, basically, is like, I'll be your mistress if you'll give me the money. Because Rhett's like, remember, I said I'm not a marrying man. She's like, yeah, I remember. <laughs> and I mean, but like, that's something, too, where we see, like, Scarlet is desperate to keep Tara. And she will yes. do anything to keep Tara. Which, okay, so she doesn't go the Rhett route because Rhett's like, my money's not here. So sorry. Go and somewhere basically else. just like wanted her to have to say it. Exactly. Yeah. Which is so, so Rhett right yeah. there. But she ends up visiting um, 
Oh, I she just, runs into Frank Kennedy. Kennedy. So thank again, you. that was her younger sister, Sue Ellen, the Bratz, Beau, before the war. And then also she had run into Frank at the hospital that she was working at during the war. Right. But then you see what he's made of himself. Yes. He has this like little merchant store and is apparently clearing like a thousand dollars. Yeah, he said he just cleared a thousand dollars. He's so got like much a, money. Yep, he's got a side business in lumber, which like in the middle of reconstruction, again, Atlanta was burned. Basically to the ground. You need a lot of lumber. Exactly. And now here is where Scarlett does one of my least favorite things, even if it's to Sue Ellen. She flat out steals him from Sue Ellen. Yeah. She lies about the fact that Sue Ellen is now married to some guy back in Clayton County. Yeah. I I love the whole time you can see Mamie's face too. Oh my and she's gosh. doing this. And, but Mamie doesn't say anything. She's not going to call Scarlett out on it, but she also does not approve. No, not For at all. sure. But... Scarlet gets that marriage and gets the money she needs mm-hmm. to keep Tara. And that's like, okay, if you're going to stoop that low. I mean, like, right. again, that's the thing that, but everything she does as a character, I think like the motivations are so 100% clear and everything makes so much sense for that character, you know? Cause yes. it's like, yeah, she's going to do something terrible to her sister because she needs to keep Tara and she needs to keep Tara because she's does not want to go hungry ever because of this awful experience that she had and it's like i don't know like the character motivations for every single character track so well absolutely it still means that i kind of despise them oh yeah it but... doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that they're good and like i said one of the reasons i love scarlet as a character so much is that she's not always good right like she you know she she's, often isn't like i said she rides the line between protagonist and anti-hero mm-hmm. like She's she's a real person, mm-hmm. almost. I do also love how this marriage now opens up additional opportunities for Scarlett to show her true colors. So, one, she is a shrewd businesswoman. Yes. Well, and she also, though, ropes in Ashley. Yes. Because she's like, oh. there, and Ashley, Ashley knows what she did, too. Is mm-hmm. He was like, I can't believe that, like... I let this happen. Like I should have committed highway robbery so that you didn't have to marry someone you don't love for the money. And Scarlett's like, it's done. She doesn't care. No, she's, this is now the second time she's so she's practical. married somebody that she didn't really yeah, care no, about. She's yeah. Clearly like that's like marriage has not been about love for her. No. She and, is a very like medieval idea of how marriage goes. <laughs> yeah. I would say the first one was more out of impulse and spite. The second one is definitely more of a business move slash survival move. Yes. But um, she is a shrewd businesswoman because yes. as Maggie said, with the lumber industry, it's like, she's like, why is this not our main business? And she turns it into that. Yeah. Although then she does some very ethically questionable things. She's hiring convicts, which are very cheap and they were not well cared for. And yes. yeah, the whole convict labor stuff was really icky from exactly. that time period. Well, and her thing was, I am paying money for a service. However, it happens, it happens, which... It's kind of like, okay, I understand that you don't want to go hungry ever, but on the backs of people who yeah. are much less fortunate. I mean, well, if you think about it, though, so at the very end of the first half, she says, if I have to lie, cheat, steal, or kill, I'll never go hungry again. She has killed. There was the deserter She's in the first lied. half. She's lied. She stole her sister's bow. Cheating, I guess. I don't know. But she's she's hitting the, the yeah. I mean she she does basically all of those things. 
Yeah. And because she's, she's not no hungry. Yeah. It's. But I do like how Ashley is trying to push back on that. Yes. And so you kind of get that foil to well, her in that sense. I do like there's a bit that she kind of calls him out on where because oh, he's yes. saying he's like, why don't you let me hire like basically freed slaves and stuff, you know, to do the labor. And she's like, the wages would break us, which I'm guessing they probably wouldn't actually. But um, basically, Ashley's like, I have a problem with these convicts and stuff. And she's like, you didn't have a problem owning slaves. Yeah. And she's like, well, if you did it, I'm going to do something that maybe is a half moral step above that. Yeah. Yeah. Which isn't a good justification. No. But I <laughs> I like that Ashley, little noble Ashley, gets called out on some of his shit. Exactly. Which is really nice. Yeah. Red does that later too, I think. So we then get a scene. And this scene... Like, I understand why it was in there, because it was needed to motivate later scenes. But um, you get Scarlet. She's going to run through the shantytown in her horse and carriage. I think, yeah, she's, like, going out to the mill or something. Yeah, There's like a something businessy. A shantytown that's come up between, like, the city and the mill. Yes. And everybody's like, don't do it alone, da-da-da, whatever. And so she ends up getting ambushed. So, Big Sam... A slave from their terror uh, mm-hmm. He had been their foreman, and she had, like, run into him and, like some of the other slaves from Terra um, who had been enlisted to dig ditches outside of Atlanta when Sherman was sieging the city, mm-hmm. um, which like, that's going to help so, so much. I have so many problems with that. Just like, don't, don't force people you've enslaved to dig ditches for the troops that are battling to keep them enslaved. Like that's just, it's wrong on so many levels. Like It, it, it is by far, <laughs> Not the worst thing <laughs> that has slavery. <laughs> I know, but it's just like, I mean, it's all bad, but like, that's just like, ugh. I don't, I don't. Oh, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, but, but, but uh, Sam saves her. Yeah. From... So he, yeah, he comes, he comes to her rescue and saves her. And here again, you get almost a little bit of like, Scarlet takes care of her people. Yes. So and Big Sam is her people. Yes. Um, and you know, he takes her home to Frank and like Frank and Scarlett are giving Big Sam money to get him to Tara because like they know people like the law is going to be after him. Yes. For this. Um, so they like, are like, we'll like get to Tara, hide at Tara. You'll be safe at Tara. Here's the money to get there. Like get, get out of the city. And we go into this scene where it's all the women and it's a very disgruntled Scarlett because Frank has left to go to a quote political meeting and Scarlett's like, how dare you? I was just attacked. And, clearly doesn't understand what's going on yeah but the scene i love yes so the tension this this is the olivia de havilland got nominated for an oscar scene yes so she is kind of the ringleader of sorts so it's melly scarlet mammy mrs mead Mead, uh dr mead's wife um who's a wonderful side character who Mm -hmm. i love and adore and then ashley's sister india Mm mm-hmm who I feel like would be great friends with Sue Ellen. Um, <laughs> but they're all sitting in Melly's house and they're like knitting, needle pointing, all this stuff. And everyone's like really nervous except for Scarlett, who's just really mad that everybody had to go to a political meeting because she just got attacked. And it was very hard on her. Oh, yeah. I mean, it obviously would be very hard on you. Like getting attacked is not a good thing. But like Scarlett does not, she's not reading the room at but all. she does come around to a point where she's like, okay, tell me. Yeah, what she's are like, you not what is going me? on? And Melly lets her know that um, the men folk have decided to go clear out that shanty town where she got attacked. Mm-hmm. And we get a visit from, I think it was a union 
It was a Union soldier, but would have been, I guess, like kind of like what the police were. It's yeah. like the occupying force. He's like keeping the peace around. And yeah. he's like, where are your husbands? Yeah, like I heard. And they're like, um, they're at the store. And he's like, no, they're not at the store. We've been to the store. And basically they're all just like, we don't know. <laughs> yep. So now I don't recall exactly how... Or why Rhett got involved? Well, basically, what I think happens is... I think Rhett actually comes before the soldiers. Oh, Yes, he comes in before the soldiers, and he basically tells Melly that, like, he knows, but he's like, where can I... He's like, the Union soldiers know. They're going to go find them. Tell me where they are, and I will help them first. And India's like, don't trust him. He's a traitor. And Melly, you kind of see the, like, weird bond that Rhett and Melly have. Like, they have so much respect for each other. Yes. And... She decides to trust him and tells him, and he runs off. And then I think that's when people finally explain to Scarlet what's going on. Mm -hmm. And then you get the Union soldiers. And basically, Melly's like, let me handle this. And I love the, we know nothing. Remember? We know nothing. And then they post up soldiers around the house, basically. Mm -hmm. They're like waiting for the men to come home. And that's when Melly starts reading them David Copperfield. And they get nine chapters in. It's a long book, too. Those are pretty long chapters for the most so, part a lot of time has passed here mm-hmm. but then you get good old Rhett drunk with both quote, mr mead quote drunk with a i was gonna sub- leave some dramatic I'm suspense i'm sorry <laughs> okay they weren't actually drunk but they were acting up a yeah. storm so so ashley, and Rhett's like supporting ashley mm-hmm. who looks like he's about to fall down drunk yep and so it comes out that they were at bells oh, yep. which is scandalous for the I women know. yep um, and the Union soldier is like, oh, I'm so sorry for wrecking your home right now. Oh my now. gosh, we stepped into a domestic dispute. We just like in It Happened One Night. Yep, yep. Same same thing. Yeah, just slight, slightly different. Context. Yeah. Yes. So they leave and we find out that Ashley has been wounded and everybody springs into action. And poor Mrs. Mead, she still didn't understand that Bells was a total ruse. No, 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 no. They, but no, it comes out that they were actually taken. They there. were, but, but no, she was I like, do. Oh, the cut. I don't think. It, I think she knew it was a ruse. I think I just like that she was just like, "What's it like in there?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Doctor Mead's like, "Mrs. Mead, behave yourself." <laughs> but yeah, so Rhett apologizes to Melly for taking them to Bell's. He's like, "I did have to actually take them there and all that stuff. Like, I'm so sorry to have to do that. If I could have thought of anything better." And I love mm-hmm. Melly's response because she's just like, "She took them in," and he's like, "Yeah," and she's like, "I need to thank her." Oh, and this is where Melly. So Melly has shown kindness to Belle before. So in the first half of the film, Melly was the only person that would take Belle's money for the hospital. The hospital, exactly. But in this scene, you've come to find out that Belle came to Melly, and Melly was in the carriage with her and saying, "Like, thank you so much." Yeah. Later, Melly apparently had written her a note about visiting her to thank her, and Belle was like, "No, no, no, no. like a, a high class lady like you can't be seen with me." And Melly was like, "I want to thank you." Yes. Though. And it's like, if I see you on the street, I will thank you. But Belle still, I I really like Belle because she was even like, "I don't even care if you don't acknowledge me on the street. I'll understand." Yeah. And it was Melly was like, "I will be proud to acknowledge you." Like exactly, it's yeah. so sweet. It's very sweet. But we also, you know, while they're tending to Ashley, Scarlet comes in and, of course, is, like, all sad over the passed out form of Ashley. And Rhett's basically like, don't you care about what happened to your own husband? And she's like, nope. Well, well, she's she kind of, like, laughs it off. She's like, oh, did he go with you to Bell's? And he's like, no, he's dead. Cut to carriage scene with Belle and Melly, And then cut to scene of Scarlet for the first time. 
being truly sorry for something that she has done. Getting drunk in her yes. widow's weeds again. With a lot of brandy. <laughs> yes, a lot of brandy. <laughs> Which I have to say, this is the most convincing drunk acting I have ever seen, is Vivian Lee in this, like this scene and the scene that follows. Because it's, you can tell that she's trying to not act drunk. And yes. I might have been there before. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, you know, she's, she's doing the thing where it's like, she's stumbling a little bit, but she's like standing up almost a little too straight because she's trying to like keep her balance and convince everyone that she is sober. But like basically Rhett comes to call and she like gurgles some cologne to like try and mask the brandy smell and like puts a ton of it like on her hands and kind of her neck and then has the little handkerchief. And I like that she like opens the door, clearly like adjusts herself and then hiccups and then starts to walk. <laughs> it was, it was delightful yeah. acting. And of course, Rhett calls her out on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is where we finally get the, will you marry me? Yeah. He proposes because he quote, can't wait, f- keep waiting for her between husbands. Exactly. Now that scene, the way it was framed was gorgeous. They were in this arch and he kind of gets down on one knee in the typical fashion. And she's still like, eh. Well, she thinks he's joking. She's like, yeah. that's such poor taste. Because right before she comes into the room, you can tell that it was like set up for Frank's like wake. Mm-hmm. And um, there's like a little bits of flour on the, like flowers on the floor. And Rhett picks one up and puts it in his lapel, mm-hmm. which I loved as like kind of a symbol of him now going to be taking the husband's place. Yeah. Which they do get married. They do, yeah. Well, I love that also wealthy. right before it, when he like says something that makes her mad, basically he's like, I'll bring you back a ring. He's like going to London or Paris or something. So I'll bring you back a ring. And she's like, I want it to be so big. Everyone's going to be jealous. And then he says something and she's like, get out. I don't care if you ever come back again. And it's just like, that's their- <laughs> Wait, are we getting married? Yeah, that's and their was, banter. Was this where he was like, oh, should I buy something for Mammy? Oh, no, no, no. That's during their honeymoon. Oh, yeah, because we right, go through right. like a various times of their honeymoon. And like at one point, Scarlet's having nightmares. And she's, I think her nightmare is that she's running through the mist looking for something, but can't mm-hmm. find it, um, which comes back later at the very end. Yes. But, um, you know, that's where you kind of get to see, like, we've, we know how the war changed Scarlet's personality, but you get to see like the psychological, like the true depth of that psychological damage and like mm-hmm. just how scared she was. And I think she tells Rhett that she, at one point she's smiling and he's like, what are you thinking about? And she goes, how rich we are because she's decided that money is the most important thing in the world because you know, to her, that means you have a roof, you have food, you like, you will be okay. Which really, I mean, it makes you understand Scarlett for like at least that entire second half of the film. It's like, of course she's doing these ethically questionable things because in her mind she needs as much money as she can get because like that is what will keep her and like her people alive well and it does yeah well yeah they get the this is where they get the scene where Rhett's like we should buy something for mammy oh and she's like no it's fine and she's she's like what is it um i don't want to get her anything because mammy called us both mules and he's like what (laughs) she's like she said that we could dress ourselves up in harnesses and give ourselves airs but we're just mules and or no we could dress ourselves up and give ourselves airs but we're just mules and horses harnesses and red (laughs) thinks thinks that's hilarious and he's like mammy's a person whose respect i want yes yeah well and he does and it's interesting because red and mammy share the ability to read scarlet i read though less so less so yeah she's he's still one of the few people that will yes 
So we are kind of like given different vignettes of their life. They have a kid together, Bonnie. Mm. Bonnie loves to ride ponies, which is a big old storm cloud waiting to burst. Yeah. Um, and yeah, Rhett's going to teach her how to ride side saddle. Exactly. And, like, and Rhett like loves this kid. And that's the part that I love. You get to see how much Rhett really cares about people yeah. that are close to him. Yeah. And even Scarlet. To you know, some that extent. kid was the biggest brat. Oh my gosh. Oh, so spoiled. But like, you also find out that like Red, who very previously was like, screw the establishment and like, I don't care about my reputation and stuff, which is why he was drawn to Scarlet. Now, because of this kid, he cares. He's like, I want her to get into the best schools. I want her to keep the best company, like all of this stuff. And so he's like, letting slip that like he was decorated by the confederate army because like within the social circles that he wants her to run in like that's a big deal and like Mm -hmm. he is making basically like also kind of making scarlet make concessions to the social order which scarlet is not happy about and which this is the part where i'm like i don't think Rhett fully understands scarlet i think he understands pre-war scarlet a lot better than he understands post-war scarlet yeah Pre-war Scarlet would have been all about getting in with the social network. Mm -hmm. Well, and I don't think he puts enough weight on how hard the war was for her. Like, like the effects that it had on her. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I, yeah, I just, because he wasn't around when they were starving and picking cotton. Right. Like, you know, he didn't go through that and he wasn't there when Scarlet did. And I don't think he fully realizes, like, the ways in which some of that stuff like really affected her and damaged her. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, for Bonnie, he's like willing to make concessions and like, he has them like pushing her little pram down the walkway. And Scarlett's <laughs> like, Oh, we have servants for this. <laughs> and he's like, um, it's important that we're seen doing this. Yes. Because you need to be Bonnie's parents. Yeah. So it does crack me up that there is this scene in the bedroom though, where Scarlett, you get a little bit of old Scarlett where she's complaining that her, waist is not 18 and a half inches no like they can only get be. it down to 20 oh god horrible yeah and this is when she decides she doesn't want any more kids right but but uh, again there's some like circumstances in this film that i'm like if you had just shut up a second earlier if you had just not done that one little thing it would have been fine because the reason that she decides that she doesn't want to have any more kids is because she doesn't want to quote get fat i know 20 inch waist like uh, what anyway but so then she like looks at a picture of Ashley, which in my mind, I don't think is connected to the not wanting to have more kids. I think it's purely a vanity thing for her. Oh, but absolutely. But Rhett comes in and she like basically says to Rhett that like, I don't want to have any more kids. Like you realize what that means. Because of course we are pre-birth control or mm-hmm. pre-reliable birth control. So. Turning them out. Yeah, exactly. Um, and one, of course, in Rhett's mind, like, because of Bonnie, like, their relationship is, like, super stable and everything. Like, I don't know. He's kind of in his own, like, idyllic family world. Mm-hmm. And he sees the picture of Ashley and then assumes that the reason she's, like, no more kids, no more sex with you is because of Ashley. Except he knows that Ashley is so faithful to Melly well, that nothing's going yes, on. Yes, because later he says, oh, the Honorable Mr. Wilkes, he won't be faithful to his wife mentally but won't be unfaithful technically and i think like that sums up ashley right there like absolutely yeah you know because he continues to well yeah he continues to lead scarlet on with the i love you but i can't be with you yeah uh, exactly and like really he needs to just be like no right so speaking of ashley we do 
in this whole... But this is, sorry, this is the first bit of like Scarlet and Rhett kind of starting to grow apart. Yes. And so we do get a scene where Vivian Lee's costume in this was amazing. The blue and white getup. Oh, yeah. The, the costumes oh. throughout this were amazing. Shout out to Walter Plunkett. Like, yes. Definitely look up some screenshots. So Ashley is looking through the ledger for the business and Scarlet comes over and is like, ah, oh, don't worry about this right now. It's time to go do other things. You have a party going that you're not supposed to know about, whatever, whatever. Yeah. And they hug. Hug. Just hug. Just hug, people. H-U-G. Fully clothed. Hug. But his sister and Mrs. Mead... See it. And it's, oh my God, it's scandal. Scandal! And so this causes intense conflict between Rhett and Scarlet. Well, Scarlet's because Scarlet's like, like, it's like, no big deal. Well, Scarlet at first is just like, oh, I don't want to go to the party. I'm not feeling well. And that's another thing is Scarlet, even at this stage, won't quite own up to her own mistakes no. she's just going to hope it blows over um and Rhett basically calls her out on it and is like no no no, you're going and you are not going like the whole town knows and you're not going to deny melanie the satisfaction of telling you to get the fuck out of her house so exactly. yeah so basically he, he dresses her up in this like scarlet yeah, he, she dresses scarlet and scarlet yeah <laughs> it, it is like the most feathery Sparkly, like eight, we're it's something time period, like 1880s ish. I think we're in the 1880s right now. That time-wise. seems reasonable. Yeah, yeah, I think it's that that era. But she shows up at the house, and Rhett is like, "Nope, you get to go into the lion's Peace. den alone." <laughs> yeah. Um, but the way one that she enters with this stone cold face, the way she is framed in that doorway, too. it's gorgeous. Oh, and of course, everyone in the party is like suddenly super silent, and they're like, "What's gonna go down? What's gonna go down?" And Melanie walks up and kisses Scarlet on the cheek and is like, I'm so happy you're here. And this is where you're just like, what a freaking power play from Nellie. I don't know why she would use it on Scarlet. See, I'm but... not convinced it was a power play because, and Rhett has said this once or twice, where it's, she's so good she cannot see bad in others. Well, I think I think that is why she uses it on Scarlet. But what basically at this point, there have been multiple times where like, someone's been like oh, we can't do that and then someone else is like but melanie said it's okay and everyone's like oh well if melanie said it's okay it's okay yeah. so like she is like the conscience of she's arbiter of what is moral yes pretty much but well because you know that like melly obviously for some reason that no one can explain really loves scarlet and like considers her a sister and probably her best friend yeah. Um, but even if it's not mutual, the reason I consider it a power play is because of the way Melanie controls that room, and I, she basically says to Scarlet. So Ashley's sister is named India. She's like, India couldn't make it tonight. Help me greet my guests, which is saying no one here better say anything mean about Scarlet because India was spreading rumors, rumors that may have been half true. But India has been spreading rumors about Scarlet, and therefore India was not welcome here. So then she takes Scarlet around the group and has. Everybody, oh, I didn't read it that way. Scarlet. That's yep. brilliant. Yeah, exactly. And based in like the way she's talking to everyone, it's like, again, Olivia de Havilland doing such an amazing performance because it's like daring people to be rude to Scarlet. She's like, Mrs. Mead, it's our darling Scarlet. Aren't you going to say hello? And it's, <laughs> yeah, that is another one of those scenes where you're just like, oh, there is more to Melly. Yeah. Maggie let it slip as we were watching that she really wants an alternate reality here where melanie is 
actually a serial killer. I think it would work, personally. Yeah, she's respected because of the bodies in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's just like that, like things like that, where it's like the like kind of intense power play. I guess Melly, for the most part, uses her powers for good, but you never know. There's there's an intensity <laughs> there. So goes through with the party, and then we get this. I found it to be a somewhat distressing scene between Scarlet and Rhett. Yes, it is distressing. Like, very. So Scarlet comes down... For a nightcap. Mm-hmm, and finds Rhett drunk off his ass in their dining room. And he goes on this monologue about... Like, honestly, I can't even remember. What I'm focused on in that scene is his gigantic hands... On the on, side of Vivian Lee's teeny tiny head. Exactly, talking about how he's going to smash her brain because then Ashley won't be there. Yeah, basically, basically it's, it's Rhett in, like, full jealous mode, like, berating Scarlet and, like, needling her and, and threatening her. Well, and then he literally takes her upstairs to perform her wifely duties. Yeah, which so that's, spousal rape, but... Yeah. Yeah, um, I will say, like, it is an uncomfortable scene to watch, especially in modern times. Um, The thing I do find interesting about that scene and do kind of like is, and I think Rhett straight up says it at one point, but it's right after he has his hands on either side of her head, and you can see Vivian Lee's, like, afraid, but then she drops her, like, the register of her voice and says, Stone Cold, get your hands off me. And, like, he does, and he actually, make, I think Rhett makes a comment. He's, like, even backed into a corner, like, you're still fighting. And it's, you you see that, like, Scarlet survival, like, fighter courage a little bit, um, which I think is kind of the interesting thing about that scene. But mm-hmm. in general, it's uncomfortable. Yes. But that's one of the best acted scenes, especially with both of They're them both playing off of They're both absolutely phenomenal in it, like, so. for sure. When I think that's... Again, something about the characters in this movie is like they are so layered and complicated and they're they're human. Like they're not good or bad. Right. Like there are things that I think almost every single character does in this movie. There are good things that they do and there are bad things that they do. And like the motivations are different. And sometimes the action's good, but the motivation's bad. Sometimes the motivation's good, but the action's bad. Like they're Everything's real. complex. Yes, yeah. it's very complex. So after this really hard to watch scene you wake up to scarlet being really jovial and you wake up we cut to scarlet waking up well you know we are scarlet scarlet is i don't know (laughs) i um i think the implication is that scarlet just needed which is a good lay but that's not still icky yeah that's cringy Um, but Red is like, okay, I'm taking Bonnie. We're going to London. Well, he's like, I apologize for my behavior last night. And it's like, that's all well and good, but you still Did behaved it. awfully, buddy. But yeah, he's basically like, I'm leaving for London and I'm taking Bonnie with me. Mm-hmm. And Scarlet has no way to say one way or the other. Yeah. She's not happy like, about it. Because I think, you know, we see very limited interaction between Bonnie and Scarlet, but I think based on the interaction we see, like they have a positive relationship. Like Scarlet certainly treats Bonnie well. She just may not be as active in her life as would have been expected of a mother Mm -hmm. back then. It's Rhett that plays that kind of parental role in this relationship. Yeah, exactly. I think that trip, the well, it's the only scene they focus on where I found it interesting that Bonnie had a nightmare similarly to how... Scarlet had had a nightmare. But hers is about a bear. It is. And a bear that's going to get her. But he has to come in and comfort her. Basically, Bonnie misses home. Yeah. So Red's like, 
okay, we can go home. So they go back there. Bonnie is super happy to see Scarlett. And then um, we find out that Scarlett is pregnant and Rhett's super, super rude about it. He's basically like, who's the father? And she's like, you know who it is. Stop. Yeah. um, And because they are two people who are so incapable of being nice to each other. Even when you, even when Sounds they clearly like want us. to be. No. <laughs> we are biffles. It's different. We can, we're snarky to each other. But we, we don't do throw also, each other downstairs. That's true. Well, he didn't throw her downstairs, but. Well, he she falls. Her. She falls downstairs because of him. Um, but yeah, they're, they're so incapable of being nice to each other. Even when they clearly want to be. Like you can always see there's an expression where like one of them is happy to see the other or like wants to say something positive and then they stop themselves. Mm-hmm. And it's so frustrating. But basically, yeah, Scarlett's like, I don't want another kid. And Rhett makes the awful comment that, you know, if she's lucky, maybe there will be an accident. So then she takes a swing at him. He sidesteps and she falls down the staircase. And loses the baby. Yeah. And is very injured herself. Yeah. Um, Because this is like a 40-foot staircase. It's a long staircase. So... And mm. Rhett thinks that he's killed her. He's super broken up about it. Melly talks to him and we get more like Melly and Rhett of positive relationship. And Melly lets slip that she's going to have another baby. Mm-hmm. Which I don't think Melly quite got the point though. I mean, Melly always just never quite gets the point. But because like, he's like, no, Scarlet's like going to be really upset. Like I really hurt, like all this stuff like it's all my fault and like if you only understood and Melly's like no 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 but she could have other babies and we're like Melly that's not the point like that's not the issue it's not why Scarlett is upset exactly like that is not the problem but Melly lets slip that she's pregnant again even though it's been stated before that like she can't have kids mm-hmm. like it it would probably kill her if she tried yep well we then get to one of the most heartbreaking scenes mm-hmm. in this film for me at least so we know that Bonnie loves to ride. Mm-hmm. Scarlett's now recovered and mm-hmm. she and Rhett seem to be more on the level. He's trying to convince her to either sell the mill or just give it to Ashley. Yeah, because it's like yeah. ruining her in some sense. Yeah, he's like, you know, it's taking you away from me and Bonnie. We don't need the money. Which again, I'm kind of like, but you don't quite get the point. Like, clearly, You don't understand why she wants that security. Yeah, well, it's like first off the security. Also, I think Scarlett is... Scarlett strikes me as the type of person who had, who she's very intelligent and she needs stuff. She needs something to work on. Like she needs a project. She needs a goal. Like she needs a funnel for that. And it used to be, you know, toying with all the boys in the County or trying to get Ashley to marry her. And then it was trying to survive. And then it's like her mill. Like she needs her project. She needs her project. Um, but you know, I think Red's probably maybe about to convince her when tragedy strikes. Yes. So we had, so much foreshadowing to this where Mammy was like, hey, Bonnie, why are you riding cross saddle? You're a lady. You should be side saddle. Yeah. Um, and Bonnie's like, I'm going to go jump and I've raised the bar because I'm older now. And both Rhett and Scarlet like, are like, hell yeah. no. This is how you're, well, they didn't well, say Scarlet's it. Scarlet's like, Rhett, stop her. Like she's, she's worried and stuff. And then she sits down and she's like, oh, just like paw. And, then, and then she the realization, like making that wave over her face. Oh, yeah. Her acting in that scene was and she's, fantastic. Because of course, her father died jumping a fence on a horse and falling off and breaking his neck. And that's what happens. Yep. So that is the final unraveling. Yeah, and you know, immediately after that, like shocker, Scarlet and Rhett are blaming each other for it. Mammy has called in Melanie to like 
come and deal with this because Rhett won't let the funeral take place. He He's won't like, let the funeral take place. Do not put my daughter in the dark because she's afraid of it. Which mm-hmm. that line is heartbreaking to me. And it of course, is. Hattie McDaniel is killing it as she's telling all of the stuff to Olivia de Havilland. Olivia de Havilland's reactions are so good. Um, I there aren't that many scenes of the two of them, but I kind of wish there had I been. I think this more. was really the only one. Yeah, because they they're both so good in it. Um, and Melanie's basically like, I'll do what I can because like. Rhett's locked himself in the room and he's like got a gun and he said he, he you know, threatened Scarlet if she tried to bury the kid and Scarlet's like, we have to bury her and like all of this stuff. And like, they've been saying horrible things to each other and like Scarlet's blaming Rhett because he bought her the horse and like, yeah, it's the final straw. It's people working through grief in very unhealthy ways. Yes. But Melanie goes up and she talks to Rhett and then he's going to agree to have the funeral take place because Melly's a saint and worked her magic. Yes. But that was the last that Melly was able to give because she collapses. Well, was it, though? She collapsed. Well, you're right. It wasn't <laughs> physically <laughs> the last she could give because she collapses. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm assuming from complications from the pregnancy. I feel mm-hmm. like that's the implication. And so this is, again, the movie does not get any happier from here. But we get this gorgeous scene with Melly lying down in her bed. This is where she's lit up like a saint yes. in like a renaissance portrait or something it's just her face lit up in this whole scene as she's talking to scarlet and the thing is she's talking to scarlet before her own sister-in-law and was it miss me who was going in yeah like ashley and um melanie and ashley's son who scarlet helped deliver Mm -hmm. during the fleeing from atlanta or right before fleeing from atlanta during the siege um like they've been in to talk to her and then the next the very next person she wants to talk to is scarlet before india and miss mead Mm -hmm. but this monologue that she gives is like, oh my gosh, you've completely misread Scarlet because she's well, like, take care. But she of- also hasn't. Like, that's the thing is, so basically, first off, she's like, I love when she's talking about her son. She's like, my son, I gave him to you once before because like when they were leaving mm-hmm. Atlanta, Melanie was like, if I die, take care of my son. And Scarlet was like, you idiot, you're not going to die. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, and I like that she like makes her promise college. And then Scarlet's like, Tour of Europe, pony, anything he wants. I was like, don't was, promise ponies. You, th- too soon. <laughs> <laughs> don't prom- think before you speak. I think um, literally my note here is no ponies. <laughs> no ponies. Like, no capes, but no ponies. <laughs> <laughs> no capes, no ponies. Um, but, and then, you know, Mel- Melly asks her to take care of Ashley. And I think, you know, her intention there is being like, just kind of watch out for him because not marry him. No, that's not what she meant. But I see, I don't think that Melly necessarily misread the situation, maybe a little bit, but she also mentions Rhett and she's like, he loves you so much, which I want to be like, I know they both love each other so much, but they could do a much better job showing it. They could. Um, but that really sticks with Scarlet. And then she goes out and immediately into it's like, the arms Ashley, of Ashley, I'm so sad. And we're like, what the fuck? Um, be nice to Rhett. Well, and, we and Rhett, Rhett leaves. Leave. Yeah. Well, but then here's the realization that I think we've all been waiting for Scarlett to come to the entire movie. And that is that she would, that Ashley loves Melanie and that she would not be happy with Ashley because basically she sees how incredibly broken up he is that Melly's dying. And he's like, I don't know what I'm going to do without her. Like she's literally everything to me. And then Scarlett straight up is like, why didn't you tell me this sooner? This is the scene where the mist, the dream from yeah, before. Yeah, but she's like, why didn't you tell me this sooner? Like, you love her. You've never really loved me. I've loved something that doesn't even really exist. About time you realized it. Yeah. And 
she like runs out into the mist after Rhett and you remember her talking about that dream where she was running through the mist and calling for something and couldn't find it but she didn't know what it was now she knows yeah she knows and so she runs back into their house looking for Rhett and Rhett is packing but the way that he is framed in his when it's like study. the mist and it's like almost a little rainy and again yeah. getting dark and gritty again it's just gorgeous and basically she confesses that she loves him and he's like that's unfortunate for you because like it's kind of too late for us she basically tells him that Melly's died and this was the part where I wanted to be like Scarlet you needed to shut up sooner because she's like well you know she's so kind I really I truly loved her and Red's like did you yeah but she's like you know she never thought of anyone but herself her last words were about you and he's like oh what'd she say and she's like well she said you really loved me and that like I need to realize that and all this stuff and Red's like well what else and then she Talks about how she needs to take care of Ashley. Don't say that at this time. Oh, and his line where, oh, it's nice to have the first wife's blessings. Yes. And Scarlett's like, wait, what? Deep cuts. But that's one thing where I was like, don't, don't say that. Like, that is later information. In fact, that might be never information. (laughs) Like... And that was the final straw. Yeah, so Rhett straight up leaves and then we get what, you know, they talk there's various pleading as she like runs down the stairs after him which like she runs down those stairs real fast in that dress like don't trip again i know considering she fell down it earlier i'd be like we're going to grab this rail and we will just sidestep why don't we slide down the rail like in uh you can't take it with you (laughs) no (laughs) (laughs) that seems like a worse idea and you get the beautiful shot of red opening the door framed by the mist and scarlet's where will i go what will i do and we get the most famous line in movie history according to the american film institute frankly my dear i don't give a damn ah and then he walks walks off off into into the the mist mist, and it's oh it's so good and then the last bit is scarlet i love when she goes i won't think about that today i'll think about that tomorrow but then she's like no i have to think about it today so she's finally realizing that being somewhat in the now is important. Yeah, that like she, there are important things that she has pushed off and that she's not considered and like now she has to. And you get this beautiful um, like sound overlay of various people talking about Tara and like what Tara means to her. And like, this mm-hmm. is where you get your strength. And then it ends with like the various like Tara, 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 Tara. And she's like, I'll go to Tara. And you get the very triumphant, hopeful music. Yeah, at the end. and the after all, tomorrow is another day. Yes. Swell the music with again Scarlet's silhouette against the you know the sunset backdrop. backdrop and tear in the distance, and so it's hopeful at the end. I still, it it's hopeful, but I'm still devastated. I think it's the perfect ending though for that movie. I wouldn't have wanted it to be all nice and pat. It couldn't but... end any other way. I don't like. I don't think it could because I think. That is that point is exactly where those characters naturally went. Like it makes complete yeah. sense for them as characters. It makes complete sense for everything that has happened plot wise in the movie. Like Ugh. it's still it, oh, there's it's there's so like sad. a bitter sweetness to it though. Like it it's sad, but it's so perfect. Yeah, and it does have that like little bit of hope at the end mm-hmm. too, which I think is nice. Now, I would like to kind of contrast this with Cavalcade for a minute. Yes, because this felt like a similar examination of the trials and tribulations that a family from a certain background in a certain locale had gone through. Mm -hmm. So I know that we both were not super on board with Cavalcade. Yeah. And I think I want to double down on my thought that the subject matter for us matters because we are so close 
to this story, both being from Atlanta yeah, to some extent. geographically. And that's more of our historical background. Like, I think it hits home much more closely than something like Cavalcade would for us. Okay, I don't disagree, but I think that there are different reasons. Am I like Scarlet where I'm not wrong, but I'm not always right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, they're both historical epics. They both span quite a number of years. Mm-hmm. They both theoretically center around a main female character. But, whereas Gone with the Wind is very much Scarlet's story, like, there is no doubt who your main character is in Gone with the Wind, Mm -hmm. and she is a very well-developed, three-dimensional character. We spend a lot of time with her. We also spend time with, like, our main supporting cast developing them. And in Cavalcade, I think theoretically the mother was supposed to be the main character. Jane, I think her name was. Mm -hmm. Oh, we didn't get to see much of her. Exactly. We spend too much time away from her, and she it's not 100% clear that she's our main character. Her mm-hmm. motives are not always clearly understood. The su- main supporting cast isn't super well-developed because time is almost spread too evenly among them. Mm-hmm. I think also just in general, the writing is better in Gone with the Wind. Also, Gone with the Wind, the characters are not passive, for the most part. Or at least our main characters are not passive. Yes. Scarlet is actually an active character who is doing things, making decisions that drive the plot along in cavalcade. Things happen to people. Things happen to people. Like no one actually spurred the event or was making the moves. Mm -hmm. Um, I just think about the Titanic sinking and like, yeah, that is something that happens. It happened to them. And it's, you know, one of those things where like, you just don't get the character, like the character development and the writing just isn't as good, nor was Mm -hmm. like the cinematography or the score. Like just, as far as like movie components, Gone with the Wind outclasses Cavalcade in every single one. Oh, agreed. But I think a huge part of that is like if you look at the characters and like how active versus passive they are, and also how like focused each one was. Mm-hmm. I guess any anything else in particular you want to talk about? I know this was a long episode. It, it was. was a two parter. Like, I just I don't know. I really enjoyed it. It is. It's still a long one, and I still have to like be committed to it and be yeah. actively in the moment with it, which takes some effort. But yes, if you haven't seen it and you want to see it, you know, like before or after having listened to this episode, make sure you are in like a frame of mind where you can sit down and watch it because it is a bit of a time commitment. Yes, and if you miss little things, it, the effect is almost ruined mm-hmm. to some extent. Yeah. So. I know at the time of recording, at least, it was available on Amazon Prime for included with your Prime membership yeah. or whatever. So, like, of all of the ones we've done so far, I think this it's, is probably the most accessible. Yes, for sure. Um, so, highly recommend. I guess with that, do we want to go into ranking? Yes, let's go. Okay, well, I slotted at number two after All Quiet on the Western Front. And I think for me, that's because the themes, in some senses, were similar, but I almost felt that All Quiet on the Western Front had unimpunable integrity. All Quiet on the Western Front is also more about the theme and the idea than it is the characters. Exactly. And I think Gone with the Wind's the opposite. Right. And that's where from a, the movie itself is amazing from the costuming to the sets to the special effects. But I still, like I said in part one, have that nagging like, but you're not addressing the central issue to the Civil War, at least in my mind. So. Yeah, that is something that I think in a perfect world it would have done. It I, didn't. 
<laughs> Again, it is a movie about the Civil War made in the 1930s. Like about a plantation owning. Yeah, class like of that's people. yeah. The the movie is not about like necessarily the idea of slavery or why the Civil War was fought. I I think you know the Civil War kind of happens to be the background. I think if you take the core themes and like structure of the story, you could place it in almost any time period as mm-hmm. far as like its central themes. Um, I realize that does not always make it easy to watch for people. But I'd still argue that the things that aren't easy to watch often are the things we should watch. Oh yeah. I 100% agree. Like, you know, it's important to, you know, be able to watch something like Gone with the Wind and be like, it's amazing. Technically it was very important. The history of movies, like it's beautifully written, costumed, scored, etc. But like, still this there, glaring there are problems because of when it was made about portrayals of certain characters or, you know, despite, actors and actresses best efforts like there's like despite Hattie McDaniel's amazing performance like there are still problems with the way Mammy's written and like the fact that like Mammy still is somewhat of a stereotype yeah oh yeah for sure and that like you know that so many of the roles at the time for African-American actors were slaves or ex-slaves or servants Mm -hmm. like that's not good for me with my rankings I actually really struggle with this too kind of for the same reason um (laughs) actually where I I was like, do I put it before or after All Quiet? I mean, that was always that was always going to be the question for me coming into this <laughs> one. Um, I there is definitely like a bit of a nostalgia tie to this movie for me because it is one of the first like classics that I saw, and mm-hmm. I saw it from a very young age. So it definitely influenced the way I watch movies and like the things I look for in movies, um, mm-hmm. particularly around score and cinematography. So I there is a little bit of bias there for me. Um, I also am such a sucker for like a strong, badly behaved female character. Oh my goodness. Get to the, what is it? You have me on like the edge of my seat. <laughs> I'm putting Gone with the Wind as number one. Okay. Um, yeah, I, the thing that I think pushed it before All Quiet for me, although like, I, God, I love All Quiet too. Mm-hmm. And probably I'm going to wake up tomorrow and be like, maybe I should have flipped them. Nope. You're making that. Commitment. I know I'm making the call now. <laughs> um, it's the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly the character of Scarlet, because all As quiet on the said, Western front, misbehaving. I am a sucker for character. it. Um, <laughs> but also, you know, if you think about all quiet, like you have the main character of Paul, but he, you don't, he's not the one necessarily driving the story. It's a little bit more ensemble based and you just don't get as strong a sense of him as a main character. He's not as complex of a main character as Scarlet is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they do have some very similar themes. I think like there is a very strong anti-war um, thread in Gone with the Wind, which obviously All Quiet is all oh. anti-war. And then, you know, I think cinematography wise, like All Quiet is also still absolutely amazing. I think Gone with the Wind has the slight edge on that for mm-hmm. me. And I think score wise, it has the slight edge, although like All Quiet's lack of score is amazing too. Like well, they're, and they're both so similar and so different. Yes. I'd also say that Gone with the Wind has what, almost 10 years of technological advancements. Yes. Yes, to its credit very as true. Well, when I think it's also like I tried to keep this out of it a little bit, but it's like we are ranking the best pictures, and like both of them have very much like a best picture, like I don't know, quality to them, and that like they're great epics, and like yes. they're you know they have messages or stuff like that. But like I I don't know, like I have I have to put Gone with Wind as one, but it is <laughs> it is so close, it is so so close. Can't argue with that. Yeah. So okay. 
Well, thank you all for bearing with our epic double episode for the epic Gone with the Wind. That's another reason I have to put Gone with the Wind for one. All quiet we did in one episode. We had to split this one up too. <laughs> like there was so much to talk about. There was. I mean, even in even in the first hour and 40 minutes, which is the pre-intermission, it was like we could have filled probably a, ne- a second hour just yeah, talking like there, that. like there is just so much to unpack and I, I love being able to analyze a film. So. Oh, yes. Yeah. So that's great. Okay, so that's it. Um, if you want to find us on social media, we are Best Pictures Pod or at Best Pictures Pod on Twitter and Instagram. You can email us in at bestpicturespodcast at gmail.com. And with that, I'm Ian. I'm Maggie. And this has been part two of Gone with the Wind. <laughs> Thanks for listening.